Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 40, the Chris Lutke Hockey Journey, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Pitlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before I start the forecheck on Chris, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. My next guest, Chris Lukey, is a native of St. Catharines, Ontario, where he started his hockey career. As he progressed up the hockey ladder, he was drafted in the Ontario Hockey League, where he spent four seasons playing for the Kingston Canadians and Windsor Spitfires. After a two-year professional career, he climbed the ranks in the fire department and after 28 years retired as a platoon chief. If that wasn't enough, Mr. Lukey was a Power Edge Pro skill development instructor for several years, had a 30-year coaching career, and currently is helping hockey players and families navigate through the hockey opportunity process with his company, My Hockey Resume. So we have a lot to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming Chris Lukey to the show. Chris, welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast. Hey, Coach Lance. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Uh, we, we talked a little bit before uh, we started the podcast, and I'm excited to, to hear your story. Uh, I love entrepreneurs. You just launched a, a new company uh, that helps hockey players navigate through the, the, the recruiting process and getting opportunities with my hockey resume. We are going to get to that a little later, but first... I want to, to go back. Hockey's been, you know, we're right around the same age. I'm a few years older than you. And the one thing, hockey's been a constant in both of our lives. So uh, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Take us back to where it all began. Where'd you yeah. grow up? Uh, what was your childhood like? When were you introduced to hockey and other sports? I guess uh, give our listeners a glimpse of what it was like growing up Chris Lukey. Yeah, absolutely. No, I live in, uh, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I'm the youngest of three boys. Um, I went through the AAA system here in St. Catharines. Um, I was like every other kid. I was um, I was a Mike Bossy fanatic. I, I love Mike Bossy. I tried to model myself after Mike Bossy. And uh, so I love the New York Islanders. I used to send them letters all the time when I was a kid, and I, they would respond. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a sad day for me there a few weeks back when he passed away. But, um, yeah, I was like a typical kid. You know, I, I had the backyard pond and I did all that, too. And, and, and as you know, in Ontario and in Canada, it's in, especially 30 something years ago, it was green to I wanted to get drafted and play into the OHL. Um, I had an exceptionally really good midget season, but I ended up getting drafted in the 12th round. And, you know, a 12th rounder these days, you don't stand a hope in hell. And probably I didn't back then either. So I was drafted by the Kingston Canadians. They were called the Canadians at the time. Uh, former Boston Bruin Fred O'Donnell was the coach. So um, I went to Kingston in 1986, I believe. Uh, my first OHL camp, I believe it or not, my first OHL game I witnessed, I was in. Like, I'd never seen an OHL game in my life till I was in one. And, 
Yeah, it was unbelievable. So the pace and just everything just blew me away because I'm going directly from midget hockey, 16 years old, to, to, to the OHL. And um, I tell people this, like, I was really naive. Like, as a 12th rounder, I, I went there. I had no intentions of coming home. Like, there was no plan B. And um, as it turned out, you know, I'm there for three days and then four days and I'm there for a week and guys are going home and I'm hanging around. And next thing you know, they got me registered in school. And um, so what really tipped it off for me, and you might know this name, um, during one of our, our inner squad scrimmages, uh, I, have some, I play with some phenomenal players on Kingston. Like we're talking Mark LaForge, Brian Fogarty. But the big one was I went toe-to-toe with Jeff Circa, oh. And Jeff was one of the toughest guys in the league. Yeah. And, again, being naive, I'm just trying to hang around. And Circa challenges me on a face-off. Him and I go toe-to-toe. Uh, he's beating the living daylights out of me. I go down, and I get back up, and I keep swinging. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and we keep going at it. And then so we had a pretty lengthy fight. Mark LaForge comes, skates by me. He says, kid, that was unbelievable. So Fred O'Donnell, being a former Boston Bruin, loved it. And he said, Chris, we never expected you to make the team. He says, honestly, we don't have a spot for you, but we want you to go play in Smith Falls. It's about an hour's drive away between here and Ottawa. And uh, I said, sure, because I didn't want to go home. And he says, we'll, we'll affiliate you. We'll get you up as much as possible. And sure enough, like this is, this is now October ish. And I, I ended up being back in, in Kingston, like late November. Uh, I made the squat through injuries and other players not performing as well. Um, I ended up making the team and I spent, you know, two years in Kingston, got traded to Windsor, loved playing for the Windsor Spitfires. Um, Tommy Webster was my coach there, a phenomenal man. I learned a lot from Tommy Webster. So I spent two years in Windsor, and then my career, I was playing my overage year, and a good friend of mine, Larry Landon, who's the president of the Players Hockey Association, says, hey, there's um, there's this team opening up in Norfolk, Virginia, and he says, John Brophy's the coach. And I'm like, wow, I knew John Brophy because, in you know, the St. Catherine Saints were the minor hockey team for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I used yeah. to go watch the Saints play here in town. And then he ended up getting promoted to the Leafs and all those shenanigans. And uh, so I thought, oh, what the hell? So I went down to Norfolk, Virginia. Um, quite an experience there with the Brof. Everything you hear about him and all the crazy stories are true. I can attest to that. Um, <laughs> Spent two years in Norfolk, Virginia. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Broth pulled me into his office one day and he said, Chris, we're, we're looking at trading you. He said, you've been a loyal guy. There's two or three teams interested. Where, where do you want to go? And I said, honestly, John, I said, I, I, I left home at 16. I said, I think I'm just going to go home. All right. I, I'm going to, I'm calling a timeout here, Chris. Yeah. You, you Canadians, you, you just want to plow through everything so fast and, you know, yeah. you're, you're driving in a Ferrari right now. I want you to get on a, a scooter and slow things down a bit. So I got sure. a few questions for you based on that. And then we'll sure. get to your uh, life after hockey. So yeah, uh, being a Canadian, and I, I, I've interviewed, like I said, a few, um, was, was college ever uh, an option for you? Or was it just, like you oh. said, uh, single-mindedness? Yeah, like it's so – it's funny how today the, the thought process is the same for kids in Canada and Ontario. College hockey was never even 
thought of back then. Nobody knew what it was, what it was about, how good it was. Uh, I do remember my team visiting. We did a trip to Cornell University because um, Jim Bradley, he's a local member of parliament, was really good friends with, uh, I, I forget, Edmonds was his name. He was the goalie. He was a St. Catharines guy. He ended up playing goalie for the Cornell Big Red, and he organized a trip for us to go see Cornell. And uh, I remember the bands. I remember the fans in the student section. It was phenomenal. But even after that trip, it was just like college hockey wasn't even thought of. And it's, it's a shame. There was very, very few people back in the 80s, you know, 90s playing college hockey. So for and I find the mentality is the same today. It's kind of OHL or bust. And I'm not for or against either any team or league, but from what I, you know, we'll get into my son's journey. From what I have experienced the last two years, the U.S. development path, it is, they got it right. And it's so different. And um, so I just plowed away through the OHL, put in my four years and, uh, you know, went from there. <laughs> You know, what's interesting is that you say that college wasn't even thought about, talked about nothing. You know, being from Minnesota, from the States, I yeah. knew nothing about major junior. That was not talked about the same right. thing. Yeah. And, and now here we are, fast forward, you and I both have yeah. kids that play the game. And, you know, there's kids that going from the U.S. up to Canada to play like in the B BCHL and uh, and the same thing with your like your son coming down to play in the USHL for the uh, Lincoln, I believe it was. Uh, well, great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, he had a trial at Lincoln, but he ended up playing. Uh, he went he went the prep school route. He got a phenomenal opportunity and a great scholarship um, to go to a prep school in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, called Gilmore Academy. And um, what I witnessed. Uh, I was very fortunate to pretty much go to almost every one of his games because of COVID and the, you know, I, Cleveland's only three hours away. So, you know, what I witnessed in regards to development and, and just the whole, the mindset's totally different. They're in no rush, you know, they're in no rush. And I'm like, wow, like everybody in Ontario is in such a rush to, to play in the OHL. And, you know, a classic example, I, you know, my Dawson played with several of his teammates are in the OHL and I asked their parents, like, why'd you choose the OHL? And, and the answer was the same from almost every one of them. Cause it's the quick, quickest route to the NHL. And that's like, I'm like, wow, everybody's in such a rush up here. And yeah. it was completely different in the States. It was completely different. And it's what my son needed. My son needed time. Cause he was never the childhood superstar. Like he really developed in Bantam and Midget. Right. Yeah. That it's, it's just, very interesting to see how, how the landscape has definitely changed. But before we switch over to your son, I want to go back to you. I mean, if you're getting drafted uh, in the OHL, you had some game. And I'm just curious because, uh, you know, there there wasn't back then like there is today the, the extra training uh, that is available, uh, both on and off the ice, strength. Uh, you know, on ice skills instructors, off ice skills instructors, nutritionists, you know, it goes on and on. Uh, what did you do besides your games and practices uh, preparing for that OHL draft? To, what were you doing to get better at hockey? 
Yeah. So I, you know, I was a hockey fanatic when I was a kid. Like I said, you know, I was a huge Islander fan. I knew the name of every arena, the rink. Um, so I, I was a student of the game and I literally purchased a lot of books. I purchased books on training and I actually back then, you know, 30 years ago, I was doing plyometrics in my backyard. I remember doing that. I remember doing box jumps and doing all kinds of crazy sprints. And, you know, and it was for me just doing my own research. That's all it was back then. Because like you say, there, it's not like today you could, you can go anywhere, open up any social media, like hockey training today is so different and it's so prevalent. And we didn't really have any of that. And my parents weren't, you know, they were just two hardworking Ukrainians from the farm out west. They didn't know what where to go or what to do, so I was kind of left on yeah. my own. <laughs> you know, yeah. like a lot of like a lot of uh, players. You know, the hockey players they come from humble back backgrounds. When I retired, uh, the year I retired, I got hired by Ottawa to do a broadcasting thing and just to be around uh, a couple of young guys, Wade Redden and Chris Phillips, that were you know going yeah. through their playoff experiences and we were pretty close at the time, but I got to know uh, all the beat writers and, and reporters and stuff uh, as we traveled during the, those playoffs and uh, to a person, you know, they just say hockey players, they're, they're just the most consistent because, you know, they all come from similar backgrounds. Uh, there's not the extremes and uh, you know, that's, what's kind of cool about the sport, but, I'm yeah. curious now, you know, we, you know, you, you, you make it to the pro level, uh, you know, and you said that the, you had some opportunities after this has been something you you've done your whole life. Uh, was that a tough decision or was it crystal clear for you that that was it for you? Uh, you know what? It was kind of both. I didn't turn out like I, I was a really good and, and typical. I was a really good minor hockey player. I had a bit of a disappointing junior career. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I got caught up. I just, for me, I think it was a mental thing. Um, I really struggled just with the mental side of the game and kind of lost focus on a few things. And I didn't have the greatest junior career. I had four different, I actually, I think I had five different coaches in four years, which didn't help. I mean, I truly believe if I would have stayed in, if Fred O'Donnell, he had a contract dispute after my first year and left. I mean, that's the guy who as a 12th rounder gave me the opportunity. So I was so excited and so confident to come back my second year in Kingston and Fred was gone. And, and they brought in a gentleman from Quebec who could barely speak English. He lasted half a year. Uh, the team got sold. The team owner <laughs> ended up being the coach. I asked for a trade. Then Larry Mavity came in. Uh, then traded me to Windsor. So it was, it was, you know, it was a tough, it was a tough goal. It really was. But um, yeah, so it's, <laughs> so from there, um, you know, like I said, I just had an opportunity to go play in the East coast and Larry Landon was a good friend of mine. So I, I, I thought I'd just see what opportunities were out there. So. You talked about how, when you finally call it quits, that yeah so yeah so kind of came into your yeah. life so was it hard you know what i do remember you know i remember going back i was actually living with a billet in uh, norfolk virginia um a great family who took us in and i remember i remember going back to my billet's house in norfolk i had um i think i cried for about a minute i took a deep breath and realized you know i was 22 years old at the time and back then 
a 22 year old was kind of, if you're not, you know, I was buried deep in the minors. Let's, you know, the East coast league wasn't, you know, so I realized I took a deep breath and said, it's time for my next stage in my life. And, uh, was it hard? Yes. And no, you know, I kind of realized the dream was over. Um, I, you know, luckily for me, it all worked out. I, I, I had some friends who just got on the fire department and they said, Chris, they love hockey players, um, throwing an application in. Um, so I did, and I took a number of courses at the local colleges here. We got a couple colleges. We got Niagara College, Brock University. I started enrolling in firefighter courses. And again, I was in such good shape. I think within six or eight months, they were, they were going through the recruiting process and I was fortunate enough to get picked. And you know, I spent 27 years. I made it to a chief, a chief platoon chief position, and I recently retired. So, <laughs> yeah. So what's uh, what's the? I mean, I, I know that every day can be different, but uh, what's a typical day for the platoon chief, the head honcho guy? I mean, what, what do you do in that situation? Well, um, well obviously, like. Well, let me even take you back a bit. Just, you know, they talk about how similar hockey players are in, in firefighting because it's all about teamwork. It's all about camaraderie. I mean, you're, you know, when I started, it was 10 and 14 hour shifts. And then they, we moved to a 24 hour shifts. So no different than like a hockey team. You're traveling with the guys. You're in the locker room with the guys. You're in hotels with guys. And firefighter was like, firefighting was almost identical because we had a dorm where 10 or 12 of us slept. We ate together. We had breakfast together. And then we hopped on the truck and we fought fires together. And we literally, you know, we literally looked out for each other's lives. And uh, so the camaraderie and everything was the same. I, I just, I had a passion that I really wanted to progress through the ranks and I made it to the chief's position. And uh, it was quite a responsibility, but it was an, it was an honor and a privilege. It was, you know, a lot of training. Training, training, training. People, you know, I, I can attest to the fact we didn't sit around and eat donuts all day, but we trained a lot because you had to. I mean, you would train hours and hours for a situation that may or may not have ever happened in your entire career. But I tell you, the one time it happened, you were prepared for it. So right. uh, a lot of training, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of laughs. You know, it, it was great. A great group of guys. So I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, question. I always wanted to know. Does every firehouse have a Dalmatian running around? <laughs> well, not in Canada, no. Uh, we don't have, and only recently they started, and I thought it was a great idea. We, we had a couple of gentlemen who were struggling with PTSD, and uh, they started allowing, like, fire dogs in, in the fire station. And I tell you, it really did make a difference. So we didn't have a, a station pet to, per se, but uh, they started allowing PTSD dogs coming into the firehouse, which was really cool, actually. And you could tell it made a difference. It really did. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been reading a lot about uh, different things like that. Even just uh, uh, walks out in the woods, out in nature, with no cell phone or whatever, will drop yeah. blood pressure and then you know improve. We used to go. You know, we were lucky. We used to go for a lot of walks. Like you know, there there's one particular fire hall that backed onto like a baseball park, so they would let the guys walk around the park. Uh, we, we had a pretty good group of leadership. We, you know, they would allow us to go to a local track and walk around. They would allow us to go for coffee. Um, you got to get out. You got to get out and walk and clear your mind. We were, again, we were really fortunate that every fire station in St. Catharines had a gym or, or at least they bought fitness equipment and, and kind of made room for it. So, 
you know, there was a lot of workout time and, you know, you have to do those type of things. Like, you know, you have to move, you have to keep your brain, your body sharp because there's, there's a lot of trauma to deal with. Right. So exercise was really key. I, I, I can't imagine what you've had to see over the years. Uh, you know, how, how does, how does one not take that home with them and where it affects your family? Yeah, you know, now that I'm retired, I say now I have a 30,000 foot view and I'll tell you, boy, oh boy, I I see and realize things a whole lot differently now. And some of the problems, um, my wife will tell you in in almost 30 years, I never came home once and talked about work. Um, It's just something I didn't, I didn't want to relive things. Um, Whether that was good or bad, I don't know. Uh, Looking back, I know I probably didn't get the help I should have. I probably didn't speak up enough because, you know, back, you don't forget the mentality. You and I grew up, the mentality was, you know, you look weak, right? <laughs> and, you know, today asking for help is a sign of strength. And, but back then it was a sign of weakness. So yeah, put, put, some, put some duct tape on it and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So I did bottle a lot of things up. Uh, I never talked about work to my wife or to my family. It was very rare. It actually got to the point for me, like a lot of times we'd go for beers and functions with the boys and they ended up talking up, talking shop. And I just, for me, I didn't want to deal with it, but uh, you know, I'm proud and happy to say today there is a lot of help and there's a lot of programs available. There's hotlines, there's uh, boots on the ground. There's all kinds of neat programs. Uh, and one thing, again, I'm really proud that our department was really progressive that if there was a particular traumatic call, they actually, um, they had post-fire incident reviews. They would call the guys in. We, we had EAP programs where they would bring in a counselor immediately if you wanted one. So really, really things have changed a lot, but yeah, you know, I'll never forget when I first started, there was a kind of cocky, arrogant chief who spent his 30 plus years and he's like, I seen every death known to man. And we're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> 30 years later, I finally understood what that guy, you know, what I understood what he meant because you see everything imaginable. You really do. And, and I, what I tell people is, you know, what we do every day is not normal. You know, you're not supposed to see the things we see and the things we do. And, uh, right, right. you know, it's, it's not normal. Somebody, you know, somebody might see that once in their life and they'll never recover. But we go into work every day and deal with it every day. And it's hard. It is hard. It's crazy. A quick word from our sponsor, Sniper's Edge Hockey. Sniper's Edge Hockey is your one-stop shop for your at-home hockey training needs on and off the ice. Find the perfect start to your at-home training area with slick tiles, synthetic ice, or a rink liner. Or upgrade your home setup with one of our top quality training tools to help you work on soft hands, all of your deeks and dangles, perfect your one-timer, and improve the power and accuracy of your shot. Find it all online and in stock for immediate shipping at snipersedgehockey.com. Yeah, I I just uh, I think it's uh, I don't know how you guys do it and gals. Uh, I just thank you for choosing that because you're, you're all special people. Uh, really appreciate yeah. it. Um, I re- and actually, you know, they ha- I'm <laughs> I got another little I don't know we want to call it a business, but I like to figure out a way and consult with people how to prepare emergency first responder workers for what they're getting into we all have post-traumatic stress and we all have post you know programs 
and I'm trying to I'm trying to put the word out and talk to people is you know is there a way we can prepare people for what they're going to see you know, remember the old movie scared straight where they you know prepared yeah. these kids to try and smarten them up and then i'm thinking you know what can we do like with new recruits you know police fire ambulance what is there something we can do to really prepare these people for what they're going to see and do and so i'm interested in that aspect too is maybe trying to get ahead of the curve a little bit and, and get you know look at a program that prepares people for these for these what they're going to see and do that's uh that sounds amazing though i uh i <laughs> i don't know how you can do it uh i know i i i i i hope that you can find something that it definitely yeah. eases eases the the pain and the yeah the, the stress and the long term stuff that goes along with this so that's that's awesome so i, I um, i've seen guys like i've seen rookies first day on the job you know like within the first and I mean, I was the chief just this happened about a year before I left. We had a new recruit program and this poor kid is first shift. And um, we were 10 minutes into the shift. And unfortunately, he witnessed something pretty traumatic. Uh, and, you know, someone took their life. And that's something 16 weeks of training never prepared him for. Right. Yeah. And uh, so that's interesting. But yeah, yeah, you got to be mentally. You know, I'm just thankful there's so many programs out there right now. Yeah. Um, so during this time, yeah, well, thank you for everything, uh, again, uh, during this time, uh, you're, you're married, you have a kid, you get into a little bit of a coaching career, kind of talk about that and how that led into, uh, your business, my hockey resume. Yeah. So I'll tell you the gentleman who, um, steered me into coaching was Tom Webster. Uh, and the Windsor Spitfires, he was my coach there for a year. Jimmy Rutherford was the GM. Paul oh. Maurice was my captain. Uh, Peter wow. DeBoer was on my team. Talk about a team. Wow. <laughs> Name dropping. Um, but Tommy Webster was a genius at coaching, and I was so fascinated. And I thought, you know, I look back at my time there, and I think, man, I wish I would have had this guy for four years. But with the things he would do and teach us in practice, and he, he, Tommy was one of the first guys I met who actually had systems. And he developed systems according to, you know, we would do something different depending on the team we played and what rink we played in. And Tommy was just always developing and creating like he was he was a genius. And I thought, wow. So I got the coaching bug from Tommy. And then, you know, my career, like uh, Pete DeBoer and Paul Maurice, as soon as their careers ended, they got into coaching. And I kept contact with those guys. And as they were coaching their junior careers, I would often visit them. And, you know, they were, they were in, uh, uh, I forgot, Plymouth. And so I used to make visits to those guys. And I got, I got the coaching bug literally from, from, from being in Windsor and being around those people. So I started coaching minor hockey like everybody else. I didn't have kids at the time. So I was a volunteer without kids. And once my um, kids came along, I started coaching my son. And, um, yeah, I spent almost 30 years coaching from the grassroots right up to junior hockey. I did some scouting in the OHL. I did some junior B coaching. Um, uh, years ago, I got involved with the Power Edge Pro program. Um, Joe Quinn became an acquaintance of mine, and I was just blown away by what he was doing. It's, this is about seven to ten years ago. Nobody was doing this type of training. He's like, yeah. He says, I've been teaching Connor McDavid this stuff since he was 12 years old. So I got fascinated by the Power Edge Pro program and the curriculum. And uh, I was involved with that for about seven years. 
Uh, Joe since changed his model and the way he goes about business. So um, he runs things a little differently now, but I'm, so I'm not involved with power edge pro no more, but when I do do practice drills in, in coaching, uh, you know, I simulate a lot of what I learned from the power edge pro program. So um, yeah, so spent a lot of years um, coaching minor hockey and junior hockey and scouting. And um, you know, you talk about people, wow, like phenomenal people in coaching, you know, Phenomenal people. When, uh, you know, you, you gain some experience, uh, you know, as a, a non-parent coach and then you become a parent coach, uh, you know, for me as a player, any hardship that I went through, you know, it was tough on you, but you get through it as a player. I mean, the one thing about hockey, you don't have a whole lot, a lot of time to think about it because you're playing so many games. Um, but, when you have kids and all of a sudden, you know, they're going through some, some situations and you're like, do I step in? You know, because there's so many unanswered questions. And was that, was that what prompted, what was the Genesis, the, the ignition for, for my hockey resume is what, what your kid had to go through? Well, yeah, yes and no. So my, my hockey resume, um, developed out of kind of two things colliding at once. Um, COVID being the first one. And, you know, I'm on, I listen to, you know, I'm a part of a lot of hockey groups and blogs and I still keep in touch. And when COVID hit arena shut down, um, parents and players, you know, they didn't know how do I get scouted? What do I do? And everybody's okay. You got to put a video package together. So some people, you know, there was teams still fortunately playing and, in, in the U.S. and Canada, the, the odd team was playing. So parents and players were scrambling to put videos together and video highlight reels. So at least coaches and scouts and recruiters, because they, they weren't allowed, like the NCAA shut down completely. Like they, they didn't allow a, a recruiter into an arena. They, they were banned. So it's like, uh-oh, everybody started panicking. So everyone's taking video of their kid or they're collecting video from the past. And it's okay. Now I got all this video. What do I do with it? So the light bulb went off for me is like, I got to create a platform for all these people to put video on. Uh, and then so scouts and coaches and recruiters and, and agents can just go to one particular website, pull up a kid's video highlights and at least get some kind of idea of them. So as that was happening, my own son, Dawson, he was at the U16 level here in Ontario. Uh, it was his minor midget draft year. Spoke to several teams, had an okay year. He battled some injuries throughout the year, but he still had some interest. He actually got calls right up the, you know, the morning of the draft. He got telephone calls from teams. And as the day went by, he went undrafted. And we, like the typical person in Ontario, we were like, we put all our eggs in the Ontario Hockey League draft. And again, nothing against that. It's an elitist league. I played in it. It's, it's great. But we were like, okay, like, what next? Like, where do we go? What do we do? Like, I was, I was, I'm a hockey guy, and I was so lost. Wow. Um, Dawson was lost, and it's like, so I'm, uh, you know, that way. I have a friend, uh, Matt Turk. He's a scout for the Montreal Canadiens, and and Matt that night of the draft, uh, that evening when the draft was complete, he called Dawson, and he says, Dawson, he says, um, I want you to. I want you to follow a different path. And he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to a prep school in the States. 
you're going to get so much attention. You're going to get so much exposure. But he said, more importantly, you're going to play. And he said, you're going to play a lot. He says, I'm going to get you in contact with some teams. And he says, you're going to go there. And he says, you know, it's a better development path for you. And we had no idea. Like we had no idea. We're okay, Matt. Like, and everything Matt said came true. And yeah, everything he said. So we started the journey of looking at options. And so we ended up at an incredible school at Gilmore Academy in Cleveland. We never, I didn't know a thing about prep hockey in the U S I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know. I certainly couldn't afford uh, uh, to send my kid to a, a, a private prep school. Um, fortunately they give out even, even in high school sports, they give out scholarships and, and Dawson got a substantial scholarship. Um, his first year of U 16, he was a top 10 scorer in all of America um wow. and then he he had a he had a really good uh prep season uh, again battled injuries battled mono um but what i noticed and we you know we talked about this earlier is as a canadian i was thinking the development path is so different here nobody's in a rush and i said they actually want kids to finish high school before they move to the next level and i'm like wow i wasn't used to this and in America, no matter what sport you play, tennis, golf, basketball, there's all these recruiting platforms. So if you want a golf scholarship, you want a, you know, a tennis scholarship, you want a rowing scholarship, there's these platforms out there. And I thought, wow. And a lot of them contacted Dawson. And none of them are hockey specific. So I thought, okay, two things are happening here. Parents yeah. don't know where to put videos and what to do and how to get their kids noticed. And I said, there's these recruiting platforms. So I said, I'm going to start a hockey-specific recruiting platform. The main, you know, the main item is I want kids to put as much video or highlights on it. But I said, I, I also want, you know, when a scout or a coach clicks on it, I want them to see what this kid's life's all about. I want to see what their school's all about, their personal statement's all about, the type of kid they are. So... As Dawson went through the OHL draft, I remember a lot of scouts and coaches asked him really particular questions, you know, about compete level and stuff. So I modeled it after that. And um, what I found, too, was was in America, there were so many skilled kids who just who were just as good, if not better than what was going on here in Ontario. They just weren't getting the exposure. So, you know, I just started, everything just started coming together, the COVID, the exposure, the development path. And I just felt compelled, like people need help. Right? I'm a yeah. hockey guy. I spent my whole life in the fire department and I said, people need exposure and need, need help and they need to work. So I started creating, you know, um, what really tipped it off was, uh, I'll just back up a bit. Dawson actually started talking to a couple of NCAA teams. And one particular recruiter, I'll never forget this, at the end of our conversation, he said, Dawson, can you send me your hockey resume? And he says, okay. I says, well, I don't have a hockey resume, but I'll put one together for you. Yeah. So the light bulb went off for me. I said, you know what? We're going to create a platform with videos, personal statements, questionnaires. Where do you want to play? And we're going to call it my hockey resume. And we're going to get kids exposure and attention they normally wouldn't get. And we're going to interview the, the, the players who sign up. We're, we're going to have a coaching strategy session. 
And we're going to target wherever you want to play. You want to play in the OHL, the BCHL, you want to get a Division One scholarship, we're going to put an advanced level resume together for you, like a work resume with videos, and we'll start blasting it out. So you, you get create some opportunities and we're going to connect players and teams. <laughs> so that's how it all happened. That's awesome. So uh, when all the components kind of came together for you the COVID the video the exposure uh from that moment how long did it take you to actually launch the website and the business yeah so I just once we decided to do it I just uh we started searching um I actually put an ad on Facebook and I said I was really specific I said I'm looking for a sports-minded person who understands you know understands how sports work to develop a website for me. And I'll say that I got kind of explain later. So several people reached out one person in particular, and he happened to be local. And I knew the person, he was an acquaintance of mine. He was a web developer. And he said, Chris, he said, I just created a recruiting platform for a volleyball program. And he says, this person is doing exactly what you want to do for volleyball for kids in Canada trying to get division one scholarships and exposure to American university. I'm like, you're kidding me. Wow. So it was, it was serendipity the way it happened. They knew exactly what I wanted. They knew why I wanted it. And we just started going to work and it took about two months because I was very specific what I wanted. Like to me, the video portion was a huge part of it. Questionnaire was a huge part of it. There's a personal statement. Like I really wanted I wanted I wanted to get really deep to you know so when a coach or a scout clicked on it they they got to really see what they don't see on the ice they got to you know read about the person and read about their schooling and read about their character and you know their statements there from from prior coaches and those are all things I know that you know the higher levels you go that's what they dig they dig into because they're investing a lot of money in you right so and, and as a coach myself, I can remember when scouts would call players of mine and some of the questions they would ask, you know, they would ask about their hygiene. They'd ask about their sleep, about their habits. They would ask, you know, they would ask, does the kid shower after the game? Like, what's he like? Right. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. you know, what are his parents like? What are his grades? So I took all that into consideration. And I, you know, I want to then that's why I say, like, I just want to create these awesome events level resumes where where people can literally it's a one-stop shop they could click on it and see who's available or what this kid's like and pull up their stats their life their personal statements and so yeah so it took a couple months to put together and then uh, we had a lot of beta testing we're still doing through some testing right now we're working out a lot of bugs but it's been up and running about two months now and uh, a lot of interesting inquiries like we've We've had inquiries from Germany, Finland, Switzerland, all across North America. Um, I think people are just a little skeptical. Like, no, I don't want to say skeptical, but the first question is, okay, like, what is it and what do you do? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm trying to connect players and teams alike. And I said, I'm really trying to get players a whole lot more exposure and attention that they normally wouldn't get. And I'm trying to connect them to, to teams that they you know, didn't think were possible to play or how to get connected to. So we're not advisors, but we're kind of the middleman. I always tell people we're, we're the middleman between the parent. It's like, holy crap, I don't know what to do. And an advisor, we're kind of that middle guy says, you know what, we can kind of get you started and we can kind of get you some exposure. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, 
I've, in my experience, I, in with my own boys and just seeing the hockey world through a different lens as a parent, um, you know, the everyone bases what's going on in their kids' life based on the the top group of players. Yeah, uh, but those those players don't don't need any extra help getting noticed. They already exactly. know. But but yeah, all of those players, there's not enough of them to populate all the major junior teams, all the USHL teams, college teams. So how do you get that second tier? And it's what you're telling me is that, you know, for someone that's uh, maybe in a, 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 not a big market, they're from a small community, uh, that, that this is a perfect way to at least get their foot in the door. Yeah, like absolutely. Like Dawson this year, he played with kids from Texas, from Alaska, from Florida, and I'll, I'll be honest, like I mentioned it earlier, the talent coming out of there is is unbelievable. And it's just that these kids are just as good, if not better. They just need some exposure and attention and they need a little push. So once they create their resume, we have a strategy call with them and say, you know, let's target where you want to play. And we find a fit for them and we, we start blasting their resume. And, and you know, I say it's a done with you. We work with them. It's not a done for you. So together we... We will send stuff out to coaches and teams in certain leagues and, and just guide them. And, you know, a coach will click on a red and like, holy smokes, like I never really knew about this kid. And so I got a saying, you know, I say exposure gets attention and attention gets exposure. And the more your name and face is out there, people remember you and they keep coming back to you. And it's like, let's give this kid an opportunity or a tryout or I like what I, I like what I see on this video. Let's, you know, let's get him to a camp. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's all players – want you know is is an opportunity to just get like i said get their foot in the door and just to to see um so but i think like the 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 the, um the face of scouting and recruiting has changed like covid changed everything like i know teams there's budget cuts they're not sending their, their their guys out anymore as much as they can and if you can kind of watch a player and watch all his highlights, instead of visiting four or five times, if you can kind of see him play a whole bunch and watch a whole bunch of his highlights and read about him, you know, you might only have to go see him once or twice instead of spending all the time and money. You know, there, you know, COVID changed a lot. COVID changed how recruiting is done. And um, so we just thought we'd try to get ahead of the curve a little bit and, you know, create our, our goal is to create a significant database where, coaches and teams and scouts and advisors from all over can click on and, and look for players. Awesome. So if uh, a player is interested, a family is interested to, to learn more, uh, where can they find you and what, what should they do when they get there? Yeah. So we have uh, myhockeyresume.com right on our home page. We say book a free discovery call, which a lot of people have. So, you know, you click on the link for a discovery call, you uh, fill out the form, um, we, we get in touch with you and we'll pick up the phone and have a 15 or 20 minute call. Um, you know, we ask some questions like, you know, you got to be, you know, you have to be at that level, you know, AAA, AA, whatever to, you know, to advance. So, you know, we go, we have a bit of a criteria and we ask some, some questions and, you know, big thing is, is, is where do you want to go and what do you want to do? And. 
you know, we found so many kids were giving up in their hockey journey, especially, you know, recently we just had the OHL draft here. And, and like, there's a lot of kids like my son who didn't get drafted and they're, they're quitting. They're quitting hockey at 16. And I'm like, you're just getting started, man. I said, the opportunities for you in America are the opportunity. There's leagues and places for you to play. Like kids are just getting started. The average age of a rookie in the NCAA is 20. So I didn't want to see kids quit. We just say, you know what, you just need, you know, let's build a resume for you. And, you know, you, we'll get you into a prep school. Then after prep, we'll get into to, to, to a good junior program. And in a junior program, hopefully we can get you into to a division one or division three. But the big thing for us is we, you know, when you go on our website, we see our thing is let's, let's find clarity in your path. Because a lot of players and parents are confused. So again, we have that discovery call and we say, you know, let's find clarity in your path. And once we kind of design a path, which Matt Turek did for us two years ago, he laid out a path for us that we never thought possible. And that's what we want to do. We just want to design a path for somebody and we'll start targeting those teams and leagues and create a resume and keep updating the resume and keep updating the videos and um, but that's how it all begins. You just click the link and you book a discovery call and we'll be in touch with you and we'll, we'll chat over the phone. And if you like what you hear, then we'll actually do like a one hour zoom call to really lay the foundation. Well, it sounds like you have something pretty special going on here. Uh, it's definitely going to ease a lot of frustration. I'm sure that parents and players have had with just unanswered questions on, on what to do to try to reach the highest levels. So I wish you nothing but the best. I know you're at the start of this, uh, this journey yourself with my hockey resume, but if there's anything that I can do, Chris, to help you along the way, uh, please don't hesitate to ask. And thank you for all you do. Again, 30 years as a firefighter, uh, same as coaching. Uh, and now what you're doing from a business standpoint, it's uh, genuine, it's from the heart, and uh, I don't think your efforts go unnoticed, man. You're pretty special. So thanks for being here. Hey, Lance, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words. and I appreciate you and your time and effort as well. And, you know, I think you stated uh, it earlier, like us hockey players are a different breed and we're always willing to uh, help out, that's for sure. Yeah, and I haven't said it in a few podcasts, but, you know, I'm so grateful being able to still be part of this game. And, you know, we're servants of others, and hockey's our vehicle. So uh, I love what I do, and I I can just uh, feel it in your voice, uh, your passion for that. And with the right intention, you know, that's when uh, success happens. Yeah, it's – the hockey community is a pretty special community and the people you meet are unbelievable. So, and like you say, there's a lot of people who need questions answered and they're confused. And uh, I just always had a passion, you know, even I was coaching, you know, just had a passion for trying to make them better people and better hockey players and just trying to keep everyone, keep, keep, keep the game going. Don't give up, play as long as you can play as hard as you can and uh, help out as much as we can. That's right. Awesome. Well, great messaging, all the best to you. And thanks again for being on the show. Appreciate it, Lance. Thank you. Thank you for all all you do as well. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey Podcast. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you pulled something positive from the conversation. And if you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might like the episode as well, please share it with just one person. It will really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or submit a review. I hope to see you back here soon, and do me a favor, make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.